0: Welcome back Cal listeners, this is Methodical Millions Episode 7. So Cal, I've been thinking about this lately, we talked about spending your money, tracking sustainability, but how do you track investing or trading if you will? What do you do for that?
1: I think what many people don't perhaps understand is by tracking your performance In any sector, in any field that you're in, can really give you the data that you need to thrive in the future. So, when it comes to trading, every time you take a trade, so you start a trade and then you close it by selling your position or exiting that position, the best way to do it is to log it somewhere, right? So, something as simple as an Excel spreadsheet is fine. You put the details of the trade in terms of what was the company you're trading, uh, the ticker, which is basically the four-letter code that represents that company, which exchange, what price you got in at, what price you got out at, maybe the day and time, and what news you were using or what catalyst that you used that helped you make that decision to trade that stock. So can then also put how much you made or how much you lost on that trade, the percentage. So all that can be adjusted and so on and so forth. You can really cater to whichever way you like. But by doing that, you'll be able to skim down later in the future, let's say after 100 or 200 trades. And you look back after 200 trades and say, okay, what was I doing right? Which trades did I make money on? And which trades did I lose money on? And how long did I spend On each trade. So that way, you'll see some points of consistency. You'll see places where you were actually performing well in terms, maybe a certain price point for the stock, in terms of a certain market cap for the stock, in terms of things like that. Now, I talk a lot about stocks just because it's something I trade. That's what I'm comfortable with, but it could be anything, right? So I track that down. I would be able to skim what I'm good at from what I'm bad at and basically then shift my focus narrow it down, maybe that means I'm trading a bit less than I used to. But that means perhaps I can increase my odds of success. My performance gets better, maybe my profits get larger and the odds
0: shift to my favor. That's uh, that's really cool, Cal. Where did this tracking come from? What was the big epiphany that made you say, this is important?
1: I'm not going to take credit for it. When I first started a lot of the people i follow who are gurus if you like or successful traders that are online and maybe read about they just seem to say always track your performance always track the trades that you take that lines up very nicely with other things right when we talked about the last episode of tracking your expenses right the nice thing about that is it paints a picture for you of where you're spending your money how much you're spending where you can improve by looking at it day by day so it's the same idea. It's the same concept here. And even in today's world, having data is very valuable. Companies pay a lot of money just to get access to information. And the more information you have, the clearer the picture gets. So it made a lot of sense and it takes minutes of my time every day. Right? So once I'm done at the end of the day, I just log it in. At first it took a while just to create that spreadsheet, make it all easy to use, clear And easy to sort, you should be able to sort that data, right? If you're not able to sort it, then it's not going to be much use to you. So definitely is very valuable.
0: That's really good. Now, do you use any software to do that?
1: Just a simple Excel spreadsheet works fine. Excel is very powerful. It's more than I really need. And it's capable of doing way more than what I can do with it. So it's more than enough and that's what I started with and I'm comfortable with that. When it really started for me is I had this weight loss journey a couple of years ago and I was quite overweight for many, many years. And I wouldn't call myself fat, but I was definitely overweight. So got to a point where I tried many things and then it never worked for me. But the best thing I can contribute to, to as well was me tracking my workout, how much time I worked out every day calories burned, my calorie intake from food and logging all that in every single day. What I ate, when I ate, the time, and that really helped me reach my goal. And I actually was able to beat my goal because I was tracking. And that's when it really started. And I thought, okay, this tracking really works.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. And I remember you came back to visit a couple of years later and we were all like, wow, the new cow. <laughs> Congrats on that. That's really awesome. So you like to look at data, you like to track. What about the type of stuff you track? How important is the criteria? How important is the different categories, if you will? Do you have any insight on that, onto what people should actually be tracking in their logs? I
1: think, actually, the more the merrier. So when I first started, I didn't take any template for anyone. I just created a spreadsheet. and put as much info on there and as many columns and data point that I can put in. As time went by, I realized that there are some things that are not as important that I perhaps didn't really need there because I didn't find them as useful. So when it came to sorting or it came to actually analyzing the information, I just felt, okay, you know what, this kind of info is not really needed. So I can maybe perhaps remove that from the spreadsheet and maybe add this or that. And by time, you can change it. So it depends on what you're trying to look for. Some people look for sustained growth. Some people look for big winners. Some people look for a consistent strategy that works. And even if they have small winners.
0: I guess what you're saying is tracking is important and Without it, you're kind of lost at sea, right? So I agree. And I've always taken this in my own life as well. So at work, I've gotten quite good at Excel as well. And I'll use it for my own custom tracking of performance in business. And I like it better than looking at reports from other software because it gives you your own data that you want to see, not necessarily stuff that's kind of crowded and you don't really care about. So it's curated to your own goals. And I mean, maybe we've got the experience of using computers, maybe some don't. But back to the always learning, you want to try and push yourself to get better at stuff and just learn. So once you track different categories, how do you know... If you're doing well is there an interval for measuring that like would someone measure daily weekly or monthly
1: it really comes down to i think again this is a personal opinion but it comes down to the time frame that you feel that you want to have success i think if you're successful over the long term that's when you actually see consistency and that's when it really counts you know having one big winner doesn't mean you're successful it could be down to luck, it could be down to strategy, but you're not going to retire from having one big winner, right? So I think perhaps having a time frame of over one year, again, it's completely arbitrary, but assuming, just as an example, seeing your performance over one year based on a weekly and a monthly performance, so... Day by day would represent your week's performance, and every four weeks would represent your month. And you can see how many days of the week you're successful, and then how many weeks of the month you're successful, and then how many of 12 months of the year were green in terms of being profitable compared to being non profitable. So obviously, you want to be winning more than losing. The frequency of winning also doesn't really mean everything, even though it's very important, but you have to have big enough winners to pay and cover the losses that you make throughout your trading or investing path. Do you track it on a weekly or monthly basis or do you do something else entirely?
0: I've only started slowly to take the tracking more seriously on your advice in terms of putting in Excel specifically for trading and investing. But in business, there's a couple of terms that I know are quite important. So repeatability, which is The first time's luck, the second time's an accident, or you might be extra lucky. What about the third and fourth time? So this is kind of like the mindset of a serial entrepreneur. This is kind of people you see in life who seem to always do well. And the cliche is that you only see their highlight reels, but you don't know how much hard work they put into it. So I would say that, yeah, this tracking is part of that hard work. It's that diligence. It's that discipline of... Wanting to do better and measuring it. So, without measuring, you probably won't get far. Like, you can be very smart, but just by forgetting or not paying attention, right? So, yeah, I'm a big fan of that. And the other one, scalability. So, I think that term ties into what you were saying about your winners have to be big enough to cover your losses. Because I'll give you an example. So, you can throw a dollar in the market and you get lucky, and maybe you make 50 cents, maybe you make an extra dollar. That's doubling your money. That would be considered very good, I would say. But what if you do that with 100 or a $1,000 or a million? So you got to kind of be able to go through the scalability of it all and do well as your account grows, as your position size grows, as it's called. And I mean, you may change the mechanics of what you're investing in where, but you have to be able to scale that in. It's a portfolio, it's a fund, and it's your life, right? So important points, right? Cal, do you have any opinion on... Scaling investing, maybe with trading size, since you know quite a bit about that, does the amount of your portfolio you're using on a trade matter, and how does that define your tracking or your decisions? What can you say about that?
1: So I believe that yes, for most, once you get good at what you're doing with your investing or your trading, scalability is there. If you can double your money with $1,000, the odds are of doing the same and doubling your money if you have $10,000 or $20,000 are high. Now, having said that, the strategies that you might be using would be scalable up to certain points. So let's say when you have $1 million, it's unlikely that's going to be scalable. Would it be successful? Yes. But it doesn't necessarily mean having the same profit percentage, let's say. right? So if there's a chance of you making 20% return on your $1,000, then it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to make a 20% return on a million dollars. It comes with the liquidity issue, the ease of you getting into a trade and out of a trade, which would also affect the price fluctuation and the volume on the trade. So that all comes into mind. There's also something called slippage, meaning the price you get executed at to enter or exit that position. So it might not be exactly the price that you want. So again, without being too technical, it becomes more and more difficult as the account grows. But up to a certain point, it is scalable. A lot of people, including myself, I'm guilty with that. At one point in my life, I thought, well, I wish I had $100,000 because if I had $100,000, even if I make 1% a day, that's $1,000 a day, right? Now, the problem is with getting up to $100,000. Now, if I got lucky and someone just threw $100,000 at me and said, it's yours, do whatever you want with it. If I can't make money with $1,000, what makes me think that I can make money with $100,000? So that's the school of thought that I come from. And I believe that if I'm able to grow from a small account, and that's what I encourage everyone to start from, is you don't have to have a large amount. Actually, it's encouraged to start with something small because emotions come into play. And even if you're very diligent with your strategy in terms of when you're having your stop losses, you exit the trade when you have to, if it's not going your way, once you hit your profit target, you exit it without being too greedy. To a certain point, you will have some emotions involved right so the more the account grows you might have a bit more fear you, you don't want to lose it so you'd be a bit more cautious with their plays or perhaps when you have let's say small amount you'd be a bit more aggressive with it because if i lose a 100 bucks it's a 100 bucks it's not the end of the world so there is some emotion in there but the key is really starting small you know if you're starting for the first time just start small and what is available to us even for those who don't even have that much money to start investing and they want to learn more, you can actually open an account at pretty much any broker you can find, they have a paper trading platform. Now paper trading platform is basically a simulated environment that you can practice with real time data and real time markets using fake money, kind of like a game. But the key here is to use it as if it's real money. Again the same thought process should be applied here. If you can't make money there, what makes me think that you're going to make money when you have $100,000 real money? And for months and months, even though I had the funds available when I first started to actively day trade, I actually first started with a paper trading account for many, many months. And I logged every single trade, even with not using any real money.
0: Yeah, see, I really admire that because what you said about, oh, if only I had $100,000, People make that mental jump of wishing their life was better, or they had it easier, or whatever the endless list of cases may be. But if you actually stop and think, well, no, I can do everything now. I have a good life. The opportunity is there, so why not do that? And I like how you said that tracking a hundred dollars on a paper account or a thousand on a paper account as if it was a lot of money and. Taking it seriously is very, very important. So, that's very smart. I like that. It's going to make me refresh and go back and make sure I'm tracking correctly. What would you say to someone who was tracking for maybe a couple of weeks, but they don't really see patterns or a month or two go by and they feel like giving up? How do you stay on track and really take this seriously?
1: I would say, you're giving up too soon. Back to my weight loss story. Years and years ago, every time I tried something to try to lose weight, I was hoping to lose, let's say, 20 pounds in one month, right? I'd be happy. But if you do the math, that's a lot of weight to lose without much exercise. And most of the time I try to do without much exercise. So it came down to me aiming to lose about five pounds a month, right? So I set that goal to myself. And With that, basically, five pounds a month is not much. But over a one-year period, that's 60 pounds. And 60 pounds is a lot of weight. No matter who you are, it's a lot of weight, right? So same goes here. If you have two weeks' worth of data or two months' worth of data, it's still not enough. The thing is there's so many more things that you haven't seen yet. There's so many more scenarios you haven't accounted for. When I first started, I wasn't actively trading, but I was doing some investing slash long-term trades. So I would get in and hopefully sell my position in a few weeks or a few months. But when I decided to go a bit more aggressive, I was practicing on a daily basis for 10 months on a paper trading account. right? And I logged every single one, every single day. There were days I didn't take any trades because there was nothing worth trading. So you need to keep that in mind. Same with weight loss. You will not be perfect every single day. There'll be days you'll be eating over your calorie allocation. There'll be days that you won't be exercising. So not every day is going to be a perfect day. And you have to account for that. But as long as you have large enough data to clear out the noise and see the good from the bad and and what you're doing right, what you're doing wrong, then that's when you start looking to it. It might not be for you if you notice in 2 weeks or 2 months you're not enjoying this and you don't like it at all and you don't feel it's fit then it's not for you simple but if you still enjoy it but you feel that you're giving up then you're giving up too soon and this comes like everything in life you have to have strong enough willpower and determination and commitment to do this
0: that's really good you talked about the excel for tracking and we went over the manual process but for our listeners can you explain Some good software recommendations for paper trading, or maybe even some of the brokerages you use?
1: There are many, many brokers out there. There are brokerages that you can sign up with literally just putting your name, email address, and start off with basically nothing. Not even have to deposit anything to even start up a paper trading account. So, one I used when I was paper trading as well was TD Ameritrade. It's a very popular. American Broker. They have a very good platform for beginners as well to paper trade with. And I think the account gives you $200,000 of simulated money. But again, when I tried it, I actually used not more than $10,000, assuming again, that would be my $10,000, even though I had in that fake account of $200,000 sitting there. But again, the key is I need to learn how to trade with $10,000, because if I actually grow my account to $200,000, if and when, then I wouldn't need to be paper trading. I would be able to trade on my own. I learned a lot by that point. But when I first start, I'm going to start with a small amount, with $1,000, $5,000, $10,000, $500, whatever the case might be. So TDMR Trade is a good broker. There are other firms that you can use and they provide platforms. There are some more international ones like Plus500. I don't know if it's any good. There's IQ Option Trade. Again, those are smaller brokerage firms. But what I'm saying is they provide you with simulated trading platforms. Whether they're any good, I don't know. I haven't used them. I use the TD Ameritrade one. Very, very handy. Very useful. But they're really abundant they're all over the internet you can start with just learning how to trade you can even do a mental one right you can just start thinking on your own you don't even have to open an account you can just look at the markets you can have data from anywhere even on google you have that stuff What if I enter the stock at this price and you can log it in on a spreadsheet and then you have a target basically just thinking, okay, I feel that there's some point here. Maybe there's some good news coming out. Maybe there's quarterly earnings report that I feel very good about. So I think over the next three months, it'll be performing very well. And then you just log that on the spreadsheet. So it doesn't have to be anything fancy at all. And you can log that and track it day by day until you feel comfortable enough to step in with your money. And when you do, again, don't jump all in. Don't jump with your entire account. Just step by step, just ease into it. You will find a way if you're determined enough. You will always find a way to make it work. You don't have to have the best tools and the best equipment. Everything is basically widely available on the internet, and most of it is free.
0: That's true, and it's the right mindset to be on. So losing money, we talked about, and tracking the wins and losses, but In my experience, different brokerages might have commissions and a lot of them do because they've got this platform or marketplace, if you will, and they're transacting for you. So there's a fee. So can you talk to our listeners who might be brand new to this? What are commissions and how do those work?
1: Yeah, you're right. Different brokers have different commission fees and it comes down to many, many things. One is the asset type you're trying to trade or invest in. And also, some charge you commission based on the position size in terms of how many units of that instrument you're trying to trade with or invest in. Some actually give you a flat commission fee, meaning for every entry you're going to pay this much regardless of the size of the position. And some will actually charge you nothing. As of the past few months, there's a lot of brokers that will provide you a service for free for you to be able to deposit your money into their accounts and use their platforms for the trading. But that's mostly in the United States right now. Having said that, a commission is the fee that you pay the broker for every transaction you make through them. You don't have direct access to the market. So every time you place an order, it goes through a broker and they execute that order for you. So there's a fee there. Now, when it comes to simulated trading or paper trading, there are no fees. But when it comes to the actual account based on the broker's commission plan, and it's usually available on their website, so you'd be able to see what their commission structure is, and you can choose the broker based on that as well. Now, it doesn't always mean that the higher fees you pay is a better broker, but it doesn't also mean that a free broker is the better option. Sometimes you really get what you pay for. But something important to account for. And something even when it comes to tracking, like especially when you're trading with small size, it's very possible the large portion of your cost of the trade, a decent percentage of your profit will be taken out because you pay your commission. So something to account for and something to track as well, I think, in terms of absolute figures. But I think you shouldn't really decide a broker purely on commissions because Every broker that I've chosen, that I've traded through, it wasn't because of how much commissions they were charging. Did I look at some because I thought they were cheaper? Yes, but it wasn't purely because of that. It's because of the service they provide and how well they execute the trades, how quickly they do the customer service. They have the ease of transferring funds into and out of the account is important.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And my experience with some brokers for those Canadians out there, I've been using TD for a while. I've had a direct investing account for as long as I can remember, mostly because I always bank with them. But over time, I think their platform got really good. And I use their Thinkorswim platform that's, I think, the same as TD Ameritrade, but the Canadian version. So that's definitely accessible. They've got a very cool app, but I'll give you an example. So anecdotally, I've seen their fees are high. So it's about $9 a trade. I've also got an account with Questrade which is another brokerage. But here's the example. It could take five days to transfer money from my TD to Questrade. But with TD think or swim, it's basically instant. And because all my checks get deposited into TD anyways, I've got instant access to money. So there's that give and take about which platform is right for you. And like anything else in life, just do your own homework. I always believe in trying two or three at once, or at least doing your homework on them. And Don't just pick one blindly, because I think with the market dropping, we saw a lot of platforms crash. I won't name any names, but both in Canada and the US, I think there were some brokerages that kind of went dark for a bit during trading hours, right? So like people say, don't put all your eggs in one basket. That goes for where you put your money, which platform, and it comes down to nothing's perfect in this world.
1: Absolutely. And just to add to that, for those who don't know, when a system crashes, especially during a volatile time. It's a big problem because what happens is for those people who are in a position, meaning they have investments going on or some trades that are happening and they want to exit that position and they're unable to access that, as the markets keep dropping, they keep losing value. So they are unable to exit the position without having access to the system. So what happens is a lot of them start calling the brokerage firms by phone and their systems become overwhelmed. Not everyone gets serviced. So again, it goes beyond just having a broker with a cheap commission structure. So it's good to do your research. It's not a problem to me if there's an issue that happened. It's how does that company go about resolving that problem? What's the effort they put in and trying not to repeat it again? So it's the experience after that and arguably to get a customer that is even more loyal to you because of the way they got treated in terms of solving that issue. None of us are perfect, including those big firms. So, if things like this happen, what can you do to make up for it or avoid it happening again and helping the customers out?
0: And that's a good analogy to tracking. So, if you find holes in your game or your trading methodologies, how do you fix them, right? And how do you notice where you can improve and get better? So, I really like that, Cal. That's great. I think we'll wrap it up there. And to summarize, Track your trades, look at data over time, and try and make smarter decisions about where you can capture the opportunity, right? Where you're good and where you're not, and where you're exposed in terms of risk, what's maybe not as smart, and where you're seeing success. So awesome, Cal. That's some great knowledge for our listeners. We'll leave it at that. Once again, that's Methodical Millions. Thank you for joining us today. We'd love to hear from you for future episodes. You can follow us at methodicalmillions.com and info at methodicalmillions.com for episode feedback.
1: Thanks, everyone.